Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy listening to the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. Habakkuk um, chapter 1, we're going to begin in verse 12. And I'm going to talk a little bit first about um, what we've covered so far. Now Habakkuk, it's different than many of the other prophets. The the other prophets uh, come to God's people and speak on God's behalf to his people and say, this is what God says. This is what um, God has said that he is going to do. And Habakkuk, on the other hand, he stands before God on behalf of people saying to God, why? Why? He comes to God and he's speaking to God on behalf of the people Why is it that we experience this iniquity, this injustice? You know, last week we we looked and and Habakkuk's question was, you know, it it seems like you're silent, God. All this injustice goes on. We talked a little bit about how how it was, um, you know, during the time of maybe uh, Jehoiakim's reign, and Jehoiakim was a, a tyrant, uh, who, who shed innocent blood, and how um, Habakkuk was just crying out. Why, you know, the, the one who sits on David's throne is supposed to be a Messiah, one who would come to save us. Yet, instead, we have this king who is a tyrant, Jehoiakim. And Habakkuk cries out, how long is it going to be this way? How long? And God gives him an answer. He says, you know, I'm sending now. I'm, I'm raising up the Chaldeans and they're going to come and they're going to punish my people. Don't, don't think that my law is ineffective. You know, God promised in Deuteronomy, He, he promised curses if there, were not, if there was not obedience to His law. And one of those curses was that the people would be driven from the land. And um, God says, you know, the Chaldeans are going to come. They're going to, to drive the people from the land. They're going to take them captive. But today, we look again, and Habakkuk has a second series of questions. He begins by praising God for how good He is, how, how, how He is eternal, and how He cannot dwell with sin. And yet, God is using these wicked Chaldeans, these wicked Babylonians, to carry out the punishment upon his own people. And Habakkuk cries out, how long? How, how, can you, how can you do this? You are good, you are holy, and yet you are using the instrument of wickedness to punish your people. How can you do this? God answers. God answers in chapter 2, telling him, basically, there's something I'm going to do in the future. Write this down. Write it clearly so that somebody running by can read it. I'm going to do something. And, and those, those Chaldeans, those Babylonians, they're going to get what they deserve. It's not like I'm going to turn the other way, but they're going to get what they deserve too. And we have this beautiful text in verse 4 of chapter 2. These Babylonians, they're prideful, they're lifted up, they're puffed up. 
but it's not right with them. But on the other hand, the just, the just one will live by faith. What does that mean? While it looks all horrible around, while it looks like God may be silent, the truth is, the just one will have faith that God is good, that God is in control, that God will vindicate Himself. Let's read um, from Habakkuk chapter 1, beginning in verse 12. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you look idly at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You made mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them to his, in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore, he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury, and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision. Make it plain on tablets so that he who re runs may read it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him but the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as Sheol. Like death, he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. Will not your debtors suddenly arise and those, who, those awake who will make you tremble? Then you will be spoiled for them because you have plundered many nations." and all the remnant of the peoples shall plunder you. For the blood of man and for violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house, to set his nest on high, to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many peoples. You have forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, 
Is not, it is, is it not from the Lord of hosts that people labors, people's labor merely for fire? And the nations weary themselves for nothing. For the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath and make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup in the Lord's right hand will come around to you, and utter shame will come upon your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as, the, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and for violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. What prophet is an idol? When its maker has shaped it, a metal image, a teacher of lies, for its maker trusts in its own creation. When he makes speechless idols, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, Awake! And to a silent stone, Arise! Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver, and there is no breath at all in it. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before Him. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, we thank You that You are just and holy. Lord, that no iniquity or sin can dwell in Your presence. Lord, we thank You. Lord, that You have carried out Your wrath on all of your enemies. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you will be vindicated. And we thank you that, Lord, you have forgiven us. Lord, that you have made a way that we could be forgiven of our sins. Father, I pray that you would give us ears to hear your word. And Father, be with me. Help me to have clarity and to be bold, in Jesus' name, amen. We begin with Habakkuk's question the second time, but before he gives his question, he talks about God and God's nature. He says, Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? He talks about God's eternal nature. How He never changes. He has always existed. Nobody made Him. No one created Him. We all have a beginning. We all have a birthday where we came into the world. Yet God, He existed from all eternity past. But then He says something strange. We would think, He says, you will not die. You would think that's what He should say. But He doesn't. He says, we shall not die. What is he getting at here? What is he getting at? I think it's this. And, and I, I could be wrong. There could be another explanation. But hear, hear me out. I think Habakkuk has confidence in God's promises. Habakkuk knows that God has promised that He will 
preserve a people for Himself. That, that the holy seed, the seed of the woman promised in the very beginning in Genesis 3, who would one day come and crush the serpent's head, the seed of Abraham, who would be a blessing to all nations, the son of David, who would sit on His throne forever, Habakkuk knows God has made these promises. This same God who is from everlasting, who is eternal in His nature, who cannot lie, who never changes. This same God has promised that He will send this one. And Habakkuk says, God, You've made these promises. You will keep them. We we cannot die. While You send the Babylonians in to punish Your people, You will be faithful. You will not utterly wipe us out. But we will have a remnant. We will have a faithful remnant. Then Habakkuk says, O Lord, You have ordained them as a judgment. And You, O Rock, have established them for reproof. Talking again about God. He's saying what God has done with bringing the Chaldeans, the Babylonians to to defeat Judah and Jerusalem, it's been done as a punishment, as a reproof. God Himself has done it. He's not just taking advantage of the circumstances, but God Himself has done it. Habakkuk acknowledges that. And then he says, You who are of purer eyes than to see evil. He says, God is holy. He can't even look at evil. He can't even look at wrong. But it doesn't seem to make sense to Habakkuk. He says, why do you look idly at traitors? If you are truly good and holy and cannot look at wrongdoing, then how can you look on these traitors? How can you... Look idly and just be silent and and let this go on and not do something about it. How can God be silent whenever the wicked swallows up those who are more righteous than they? These wicked Babylonians, they come in and they like swallow up Judah who's more righteous than they are. This is Habakkuk's question. How is it that a good and perfect and holy God can allow that to happen? That God could use an instrument of wickedness to accomplish His purpose. Verse 14, You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He introduces a kind of an analogy. He says that Babylon is like this fisherman. Babylon is like this fisherman. And they go, he go, they go in and they, they're, they're catching all these captives. And they throw in their hooks and they pull out all kinds of fish. They throw in their nets and they pull out all kinds of fish. He says, he brings them out with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them with his dragnet so he rejoices and is glad. The Babylonians, they are proud. They are boastful. They come in and they bowl right over Jerusalem and Judah. They're happy. 
And then they sacrifice to their net. It says, he sacrifices to his net, makes an offering to his dragnet, and for, uh, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. So this fisherman in this analogy that Habakkuk is talking about, he goes and he catches all kinds of fish using tools. Just tools. A hook, a net. He brings all these fish in. And what does he do? He's happy and he thanks the tools. He bows down and he worships the net and the hook. It's absurd. He doesn't give thanks. They don't give thanks to the God who made heaven and earth, who made them. They give thanks to the tools. And they worship them because they think it's by their tools that they live. Verse 17, Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever. Habakkuk asks, is this the way it's going to go on forever? Is this the way it's going to go on forever? These idolaters, these idol worshipers, are they just going to keep on killing nations forever? Habakkuk then, he steps back. He says, I'm going to stand on my watch post and I'm going to wait. I will take stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me. He just waits. You know, when we might find ourselves questioning, why God? Why do you allow the injustice that is in the world? Why do you allow all these bad things to happen? Maybe we can be like Habakkuk here. Just step back, stand in our station, and wait. Wait on the Lord to give us an answer. Then the Lord answers. Verse 2, The Lord answered me, write down the vision and make it plain on tablets. We've already read this, but the Lord tells Habakkuk, I'm giving you a vision. I want you to write everything down because it's not for now. It's still down a few years down the road. And God tells him, Behold, his soul is puffed up. Whose soul? The Babylonians. The Babylonians, or the fishermen, you know. His soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. God's answer? While the Babylonians, they're prideful, they're, they're boastful, they keep on killing nations, God says it's not right within them. They're, they're not right, and they're not going to get away with it. But at the same time, the just, the righteous, will live by faith. The righteous will live by faith. The boastful, the wicked, they look out at the world, they, all they see is everything seems to be going fine. But the just sees the wickedness, the things that are wrong with the world, the brokenness that is in the world, and we just have to have faith that God is good, that God is on the throne, that He will make everything right. Though it doesn't seem like it right now, we look forward to the time when He makes all things right. Verse 5. Again, I think he's talking about Babylon here. Moreover, wine is a traitor. Babylon is kind of like wine. It's deceptive. You you drink a little bit at the beginning and you think you can control yourself and then it deceives you. Wine is a traitor. An arrogant man who's never at rest. 
His greed is as wide as Sheol. Babylon just has an appetite for destruction. They just keep rolling over nation after nation after nation. They're they're not satisfied just like the grave. Like death, he never has enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects as his own all peoples. And then God says, Shall not all these take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say? Let's not throw that part away. God asks, Isn't it true that all these nations, all these people that the Babylonians have then just bowled over, they've destroyed all these nations, they will rise up one day and they will taunt Babylon. And they will say, you're getting exactly what you deserve. God then gives us a series of five woes where each of the woes that He introduces, these these. It's hard to describe what a woe is unless you just read it and you. But a woe for you kids, it's. Um, it's just a statement of saying, "Sorry for you. This, some bad stuff is happening. Some bad stuff is about to happen." But he says, "Woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long, and loads himself with pledges." What's that about? Who heaps up what is not his own. At first when I read that, I thought, well, that would be stealing. But I don't think that's the case. He heaps up what is not his own and loads himself with pledges. It's someone who... The Babylonians are like someone who's running up a debt. Running up a credit card debt. Who can relate with that? Okay, he's he's loading himself. They're loading themselves up with a debt. They're plundering all these other nations, and they're racking up debt because all these things they're taking, they're not their own. Verse seven: Will not your debtors suddenly arise, and those who will make you tremble? Their creditors are coming after them. It's certain it will happen. Then you will be spoiled for them. God says. They've plundered all those nations, but they will become the plundered. Will not your... I'm sorry, verse 8. Because you have plundered many nations, all the remnant of the peoples will plunder you. For the blood of man and violence to the earth, to cities and all those who dwell in them. You see it? They're going to get what they deserve. They will not have their sin swept under the rug just because God is using them to punish His people. They're not getting away with anything. They will get exactly what they deserve. Then, verse 9, Woe to him who gets evil gain for his house to set his nest on high to be safe from the reach of harm. You have devised shame for your house by cutting off many people's and forfeited your life. For the stone will cry out from the wall, and the beam from the woodwork respond. Here he's talking about building a house. The Babylonians, what they have done, what God is saying woe to them for, is because they've built this house, and they've built it high, and they think it's beyond reach, and nobody's going to be able to touch them. 
Yet by, they've done so by oppression. And the very stones of the building are going to cry out against them. The very rafters in the building are going to cry out against them. And it will all come crashing down like the rich man who built his house upon the sand. Then he gives another woe. Woe to him who builds a town with blood and founds a city on iniquity. Behold, is it not from the Lord of hosts that the peoples labor merely for fire and nations weary themselves for nothing? Now stop here. He's talking about building a town with bloodshed, with iniquity. They're oppressing people while they're trying to build these cities for their own glory and not for God's. What happens? All their labors, it's just for the fire. None of it will last. None of it will last. It's just all the people's labor is for fire and the nations weary themselves for nothing. It's futile. It's futile. But, by contrast, what does he say next? There will come a day. Verse 14 for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. These Babylonians, they, they have tried to build their own little cities and, and try to be glorified, build a name for themselves, yet it's all going to amount to nothing because one day, the earth, the whole earth, not just a little city, but the whole earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. You know, that's something that can encourage us. When we look out at the world and we see all the injustice, the violence that we see from just the events of yesterday over in Charlottesville, the injustice that we see, yet one day we can look forward to a future whenever the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the land as the waters cover the sea. When Jesus returns, when He sets up His kingdom, when we are raised and God puts everything right that was now broken. That's an answer to Habakkuk's question. Look to the future. When we, the just who live by faith, we've got to have faith that one day, the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the this land as the waters cover the sea. Then he gives us another woe. Woe to him who makes his neighbors drink. You pour out your wrath to make them drunk in order to gaze at their nakedness. You will have your fill of shame instead of glory. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. He's shows the Babylonians are like someone who's taking advantage of another person. They're pouring alcohol, wine down a person's throat so that they get drunk, they lose their control of themselves, and they just let it all hang out, so to speak. And yet, God says to the Babylonians, there's coming a day whenever they will become drunk. It's your turn now, you Babylonians. And all of your nakedness will be shown as well. Drink yourself and show your uncircumcision. The cup 
And what were the what were the Babylonians doing? They were making others drink and show their nakedness. Now it says that the cup in the Lord's right hand, the cup of his wrath, will come around to you, Babylon, and utter shame will cover your glory. The violence done to Lebanon will overwhelm you, as will the destruction of the beasts that terrified them. For the blood of man and for violence to the earth, to cities and all who dwell in them. Notice that was a repeated phrase. Puts, puts those things together. I think it's probably one of the harder things to understand from the chapter. So I'm not even going to deal with it. I'll move on. He gives a final woe, the fifth one. He doesn't begin it with the word woe, though. He says, what prophet is an idol when its maker has shaped it? A metal image, a teacher of lies. For its maker trusts in its own creation. His own creation. When he makes speechless idols, woe to him who says to a wooden thing, awake and to a silent stone arise. Can this teach? Behold, it is overlaid with gold and silver. And there is no breath in it at all. The Babylonians... They literally were idol worshipers. They make something just like Isaiah talks in one place about uh, uh, someone who, who takes an axe with a stump and he chops the tree down. He makes, you know, one out of one log, he makes an idol. And out of the other one, he throws it into the fire and makes himself warm. And he bows down to the idol that he makes. But here's the same kind of idea. This idol maker, he, he makes and shapes this image, he carves it, and he takes all this time, and then he bows down to the very thing he made. It's absurd. God made men. Men don't make gods. It's absurd. He says, woe to him who says to the wooden thing, awake. That stone can't answer. That wooden thing can't answer. It's just a dumb, mute stone. And yet, the way Habakkuk ends this chapter, he says, but the Lord is in His temple. Those stone and wood idols, they are mute. They can't say anything. They can't do anything. They don't rule over anything. But the Lord is in His holy temple. Let all the earth keep silent before Him. The stone and wood idols were mute. They didn't say anything. And yet, with God, He is not silent. He has spoken to us. He answered Habakkuk. He's not mute. And He is in His temple. He rules over all creation. He rules over the Babylonians. Let all the earth keep silent. It's not God that's silent. It's us. We can do nothing but to stand in awe and be silent. Our mouths are shut. We can't ask God, why do you do this? Why have you allowed all this in the world? Our mouths are stopped. And God is vindicated because He has carried out justice. Now let's fast forward. This was God's message to Habakkuk. Habakkuk asks the question, how can you use this wicked thing? 
You who cannot see evil, how can you use this wicked thing? And God gives him an answer. The Babylonians are not going to get away with it. We come forward to the cross where wicked men, Romans, the Jewish leaders, conspired together to kill the Son of God. And we ask, why God? How in the world? You use a wicked people, yet you save the whole world. Bradley read, I am not ashamed of the Gospel, for it is the power of God unto salvation. What is the Gospel? God vindicated Himself. He has passed over sins previously committed in the Old Testament era for those who had faith in Him, and He passes over our sins when we take refuge in the cross. While we are sinners... We acknowledge our sin. We turn from our sin. We run to Jesus. And we embrace the fact that He died for us. And just as we read last week, because of the cross, because God poured out His wrath on His own Son, God is vindicated. Let all the earth keep silent. Oh, what an amazing thing Jesus did. Let all the earth keep silent. When you look at the cross, no one can say that God is unjust. That's unpopular. There are people today who can't accept that. They would say that the cross was an act... If, if we see the cross as something where God substituted His own Son for our sins, that somehow that's an act of divine child abuse. That's not the way the Bible presents it. Rather, the believer, when he looks at the cross, he does not see an act of divine child abuse. What he sees is beauty. The beauty that God has vindicated Himself in crushing His own Son for our sake, that we could find refuge in Him. So we ask, the world is full of iniquity. The world is full of all kinds of violence and things that just ought not to be. Yet we know that one day, Jesus is coming back and the knowledge of the glory of the Lord will cover the earth as the waters cover the sea. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. For more information, please visit us at RedeemerBaptistPanama.wordpress.com or you can like us on Facebook. Facebook.